0: Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, can say to him, You are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you I trust. He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day, or the plagues that strike in the dark, or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector, and so no disaster will strike you, no violence will come near your home. God will put his angels in charge of you, to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on the stones. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me, and I will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. When they call to me, I will answer them. When they are in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with long life. I will save them. This This is is the the word of the Lord, Lord, as As it it was was in in the beginning, beginning, is now and shall be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. Our hearing of Psalm 91 this morning was different to our usual way of reading Scripture. And what I believe was the way that it was initially written. It reads as a a liturgy with several people responding. The psalm alternates between the first and second person. And the I of verses 14 to 16 is God. While the opening statement in verse 1 could be the speaker or temple official. This psalm has an unusual distinction. It is the only passage of Scripture in our Bibles where the devil is quoted. This is more important than it sounds because the devil misquoted it, or rather misapplied it. He urged the Son of God to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple and trust on God's providence, God's promise that his angels would protect him, and so that he would not hurt himself. Why was this misapplied? Putting it simply, it was an artificially created situation, rather than trusting God, which in situations result as obedient service. If we were to take this as an insurance policy, it would be denied out of misuse because the promise does not give Jesus or the psalmist carte blanche to embark on any project that we wish, believing that we will be automatically covered covered by the policy. Rather, it is for those who love and acknowledge and call upon God and who in submission and devotion want only to go this way and not their own way. You see, those are the terms to which insured party must agree. To ignore them and then to expect God's protection is, as Jesus said, a foolish and wicked attempt to put God to the test. But the devil is not the only one who has attempted to misapply Psalm 91, as if it promised an unconditional security in any and every circumstance. Our Lord knew that to jump off the temple based upon this psalm's promise of divine protection would be to tempt God. Only children of God who are living the will of God, following Jesus' teaching, can expect the protection from God. Even then they have no guarantee of being shielded from all harm. However, what they do know is that ultimately, whatever their experiences may be, they are secure in God's love. John Stott has said that Psalm 91 is like Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. Paul writes, What are we then to say about these things? If God is with us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own Son, but gave him up for us all, Will he not give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, we are raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? will hardship or disease or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? or sword, as it is written. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything else in creation, Will be, able, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Jesus our Lord. If you had your Bibles open, looking at verses 3 to 13, we see that the dangers listed do not seem to reflect any particular or social situation. They're rather a catena, a series of connected commentaries written by early Christian theologians. But it's interesting to see how some are linked, like the snare of the fowler, or dash your foot against a stone. Some, in general terms, like evil and scourge, while others, directly pestilence, lion and adder. A few years ago, I heard of an app for your phone. It's called Pocket God. In fact, it was in the top 10. Beside the title was a description. If you were a god, what kind of god would you be? an elephant, or vengeful? Play pocket god and discover the answer. On a remote island, you'll be an all-powerful god that rules over the primitive islanders. Exercise your powers. I won't read you the rest of the description. But I would tell you that if you were this pocket god, you could include ordering islanders to serve you, to dance for you, or to jump into volcanoes. So apparently, the only kind of god on this app is a god who uses power for pleasure. But the psalm we heard this morning encourages us to envision another kind of god. A god who uses his power for protection. Psalm 91 is a psalm of trust, and one that shows that our God is a God of shelter. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, that's the opening sentence of Psalm 91. So what do you picture when you picture a sheltering God? In 2005, a film was released that helped me see this idea in a new way. It was called March of the Penguins. Maybe you saw it. After I saw it, I never will think about the word shelter in in the way I did before. The movie's a documentary, filmed entirely on location in Antarctica. There, every autumn, millions of emperor penguins abandon their summer feeding grounds in the ocean and march inland to find a mate. They march in a single file. The female lays one egg a year. And after the egg is laid, through an intricate dance, she passes the egg to the father. And at this point, you've got to imagine you're not hearing me, hearing me anymore. You're hearing the voice of Morgan Freeman. Now begins, he says, one of nature's most incredible and enduring role reversals. For it's the male penguin who tends the couple's egg. While the mother feeds and gathers food to bring back to her newborn, it's the father who will shield the egg from violent winds and temperatures that can reach up to 80 degrees below zero. He will make a nest for the egg atop his own claws, keeping it safe and warm beneath a flap of skin under his belly. And he will keep it there for more than two months. And when I heard those lines in the movie, I had a flashback. A flashback to the words of Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And under his wings you will find refuge. You see, the picture of the psalm, it wants us to paint for us. It's a sheltering God. Like the father penguin who shelters his offspring, God shelters us too. He shelters us under his wings. The psalm says, he shelters us with his presence and his power. And he shelters us more than we probably ever realized. Just think back over your life, and you'll see what I mean. Perhaps you had a near-death experience. I heard the story of a five-year-old who went on a short holiday with his parents. And because it was only going to be a short holiday, they didn't take the tent to camp outside like they usually did. They stayed in a hotel. Like the psalm, I'm going to say it in the first person. I remember driving up to the entrance, and all the time my father was inside registering us, my younger brother and I were in the back seat of our car, looking longingly at the swimming pool. When we reached our room, we got into our suitcases and put on our costume. And for some reason, we got out the door before anybody could tell us to wait. When we reached the pool, I said to my little brother, you wait for mum and dad, I'm going to jump in. And I did. The only problem was I didn't know how to swim. The only swimming pool I'd ever been in was the one near our house. It was a pool designed for small children and was only two or three feet deep. But this pool had a deep end. And I can still remember sinking down and down without my feet ever touching the bottom. I was surprised. I was scared. And I remember looking up through the water and seeing my father. He had run to the pool apparently just after I had dived in. The next second he was in the water with me, clothes and all. He grabbed me, put me under his arm and swam above the water. He sat me on the edge of the pool and climbed out and made sure I was all right. And when he knew that I was, he told me I certainly would have died if he hadn't noticed me and come after me. And I wish I could say that's the only time I can remember when I felt like I was in really danger in my life, but it isn't. And I know that you have memories like mine. We all have memories like that. And the psalmist did too. That's why he recalls some of the terrors, sorry, some of them in the middle of the psalm. He talks about the terror of the night. That's one of his memories. The arrow that flies by day. That's another one. The plague that destroys. That's still another. The list goes on. But the point's clear, isn't it? The person who wrote this psalm, whether it was David or not, had been through some dangerous moments in their life. But now looking back on them, he remembers not simply the danger. He remembers the God who sheltered him, who took him under his wing, And at those moments, he remembers more. He remembers how it happened. How he found God's sheltering presence when he needed it most. He remembers it happened as he called out. What was it he said? They say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'll read that again. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's what he said according to verse 2. And he recommends that we learn to say the same thing to him, to pray the same prayer and to learn how to call out to God, who wants to be our shelter in the storm. And when we do that, we speak out the words that are in our thoughts too. And they reach the ears of the one who hears every word and who knows our every thought. They form a prayer of trust The psalm says, directed to a God who wants to respond, a God who desires to shelter us. They will call on me, God says. To us in the closing words of Psalm 91, they will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. That's God's promise to us. God's threefold promise to all who learn to pray the words of Psalm 91. God promises to answer us. God promises to be with us. And God promises to deliver and honor our trust in him. Because Jesus knew God's promises, he prayed them out. John says in John chapter 17, he prayed that his disciples would be kept safe. And he said by the power of the name. And the name that he was thinking of is the name of God that is found in Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the psalm says, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The American actor, James, or Jimmy Stewart, as some people might know, found out about that name too. He found out about the power of Psalm 91 in the middle of World War II. In 1941, he listed into the Army Air Corps. And as he was getting ready to go overseas, his father, Alex, wrote him a note. A note he wrote for his son to read en route to his duty station. So after he was shipped out to the front, Jimmy Stewart took out the letter his father had written to him and read these words. My dear son, Jim, after you read this letter, you'll be on your way to the worst sort of danger. So Jim, I'm trusting on the enclosed copy of Psalm 91. I'm staking my faith in these words. I feel sure God will lead you through. I can say no more. only continue to pray. I love you more than I can tell you. Dad. As a veteran himself, Alex knew the power of the name of Psalm 91. He'd used it for his own life, and now he was giving it to his son. When Jimmy Stewart returned home in 1945, a decorated veteran of more than 20 missions flown behind enemy lines. He wrote to his father, what a promise. What a promise to give to an airman. I placed it in my hands often, and as the psalmist promised, I felt myself lifted up. So where do you need to find shelter from this morning? What's the storm you need to escape? What's the situation going on for you right now that's causing you to realize that you can't handle this on your own? Where in your life is danger? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, or even financially? Where do you need to find shelter from the storm? Wherever it is, whatever it is for you this morning, know this. God is speaking to you this morning. He's speaking to you through the the words of the 91st Psalm. And he's hoping you'll speak the words back to him. The words he's given you to remind yourself of the kind of God he really is. Remember his promises. They will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. I urge you, call on the sheltering God who invites you to discover him today. Maybe you've never called on him to shelter you before. Maybe you have, but it's been a while. Listen to me. It doesn't matter. God's great desire, according to Psalm 91, is simply to have us realize who he is and to start calling on him again. And his great hope is that we will learn how to call on him more and more. So, how to Learn how to use the words of the 91st Psalm in your life. Because the more you do, the more you'll discover what it means to dwell under the shelter of the Most High. Take a moment to call on the one who wants to shelter you. Bring him before you, all that's going on in your life. Thank you for your promise, Lord. Amen.